Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of the High Stakes Diaries. I am your co-host, Peter Overzet, joined as always by my other co-host, Pat Corain, and boy, do we have some wind in our sails, Pat, because we are one and one, and the way the tea leaves are blowing bodes very well for Team Fantasyland. Yep, that's definitely the metaphor, where the tea leaves are blowing our way, buddy. We uh, we evened up at one and one, and we uh, we were the high scorer last week in our in our league, and I I don't know if this. For sure was the highest scores highest scoring week we've ever had, but I think it might have been. We put up like uh, 200 points last week in the FFPC, which is pretty damn good. So uh, we're feeling good. We weren't feeling too hot after last week, but uh, times have changed. Yeah. So yeah, we put up 194 points, and if you're wondering who our starting lineup was, I'll just give a quick rundown. It was Jimmy Garoppolo, Tevin Coleman sliding into that starting running back role, Todd Gurley. Stefan Diggs and his blow-up game, Allen Robinson, Bilal Powell and Ricky Seals-Jones in the flex, Travis Kelsey, massive game in our tight in, starting tight end spot, and then Sturgis and New Orleans defense didn't do much, but it didn't matter when the uh, the skill position guys are going off. Exactly. And then, you know, we talk about the mood swing from last week to this week in terms of how the team's doing, but we also had quite the mood swing uh, and you in particular with with Josh Gordon from uh, a guy that I had talked you into looks like he, he's getting cut and then all of a sudden he gets traded to your all time favorite team in any sport. So must just be like a huge emotional swing for you, especially. Well, it's I'm surprised that you want to bring this up, Pat, because <laughs> we have referenced on this show a bet we made in Vegas where we bet $100 on who would have more PPR points, Josh Gordon or Jarvis Landry, which was fine. But the I believe this was then later after that you tried telling me that there was zero risk involved <laughs> with Josh Gordon zero organizational or personal risk with Josh Gordon. But I didn't he say organizational good. risk. I just said I thought that the hard knocks thing of him not showing up didn't really concern me because it felt to me like he knew that that's not something he wanted to deal with, and so he uh, maturely, in my eyes, said I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with that. And well, so, to my, you, it's a big red flag. But no, no, no. You know, my, I think an organization point, like the Patriots signing him should uh, should show you that clearly. I was I was right here. All right, no, let the record show. I didn't. The the hard knocks was just one reference point. I was just talking in general that there is risk to owning Josh Gordon, and you refused to concede that. And boy, did it feel good. And it was mixed emotions <laughs> when he was released because I just sent you the most passive aggressive Josh Gordon is released text message just to rub it in your face. <laughs> Well, I, I had my own passive aggressive moment this week because you talked me into Ricky Seals Jones over uh, over Keelan Cole and, and Rex Burkhead, which I guess Seals Jones wasn't the the loser there. It was actually Burkhead was the landmine. But I, we we had Cole in the lineup 
and uh, he did go off, but I, I started calling RSJ uh, Rancid Seal Juice, well, which I feel the- like is uh, was was very accurate given what he did this past week. You might have been able to rub this in my face, but you were arguing for Burkhead early. No, I actually wasn't. I was I was I had Cole in there, and that's who I would have wanted to go with. I was referencing rankings, and Burkhead was like you know, 60 rankings higher. So I was just trying to get us off of RSJ any way I could. So I, I would have played Burkhead over RSJ. So I, I, I'll own up to that. But uh, Yeah, but then uh, you were uh, in the lab looking at some market share numbers and it uh, looks like someone's turned into quite the RSJ head. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it is it is impressive. Like I was looking at uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's com, taking a look at uh, the Whopper rating, uh, which is weighted opportunity rating. It looks at uh, market share of air yards and market share of targets. It kind of combines it together. So uh, looking at that, Ricky Seals-Jones is fifth in uh, in Whopper in the league among tight ends. So uh, basically, you know, he's seen a target share of 20%, which is pretty damn good for a tight end. Uh, and he's seeing a market share of air yards at 28%. So getting targeted down the field uh, around eight yards is his A dot. So... Not too bad. He's a, clearly a big part of that offense. You know, by comparison, like Zach Ertz is eight odd is six point nine. Jared Cooks is seven point nine. Kelsey's is thirteen point two because he's a beast. But anyway, Seals Jones looks like uh, as you were kind of making the argument. Your argument this past week was uh, funnel defense potential with the Rams, given what we saw with Cook and RSJ has a big role in the offense. Um, and he definitely does have that big role after this past week. My argument was that uh, Arizona is just an absolute dumpster fire, and, <laughs> and that played out. But that, I think if they if they start Rosen, maybe that changes. I know that is interesting because obviously you want Rosen to hopefully kickstart that offense, but then you don't know you know who is he going to lock into? Is he going to go back to you know Fitzgerald as his binky, or does he continue with Ricky Seals Jones? But let me just say how wonderful the FFPC tight end premium scoring is because Ricky Seals Jones. That line was four receptions for 17 yards, which, you know, literally I'm in standard leagues that don't, I'm in one standard league that doesn't round up that that would have been a one point day in an FFPC scoring. It was 7.7 fantasy points. So I just, I just want to love uh, and, and shout out the 1.5 premium scoring because that was a godsend with Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah, it makes a difference. And, uh, and then our third tight end, Will Disley, our little uh, price and force pickup last week had a touchdown in the Monday night game and uh, does look to be involved there too. He's, he's uh, ranked 12th in Whopper among tight ends, as, which isn't bad for your third tight end in a, in a tight end premium league. So I feel pretty good about that pickup right now. Yeah, no, definitely back-to-back games with five-plus targets and a touchdown in, in each of them, I believe, right? Uh, so, yeah, he's, uh, he's looking like – and at the very least, even if he doesn't end up ever making his way into our starting lineup, even to just kind of block – other tight end needy teams because the tight end position right now it is it is really desolate and of course you get the spiked weeks from guys in in good spots but as far as consistency uh if we're able to steal you know a consistent performer from someone else that's a win yeah um so i haven't we've been talking a bit about the team today but uh just over gchat and stuff but um one thing i didn't ask you i wanted to save for this was like who is our number one cut right now Looking at the team, uh, we've talked about uh, Seal Juice and Disley, and both those guys look like keeps right now. Josh Gordon landed on his feet and then some. 
So, you know, obviously he's sticking around. And then, like, guys, like, so just to read off the rest of our bench here, we have Burkhead, Chubb, Rashad Penny, Ito Smith, Jordan Wilkins, Chase Edmonds, Paul Richardson, and then Gordon Seals, Jones, and Disley. So, uh, I don't know, like, not that I don't think anyone really jumps out on waivers this week, but uh, if we were to drop someone, I'm not even sure who it would be. Yeah, no, it's funny. I was actually looking at that earlier today, too. The two names uh, that jumped out at me, uh, the first would be Jordan Wilkins. Uh, it just seems like uh, Mac came back in and they're working him in. But then Wilkins, you know, still rushed for 61 yards. And Naheem Hines just feels to me like the guy that's going to ultimately emerge there as the most valuable asset. Uh, I, I have a hard time just having watched Wilkins thinking that he could burn us if we dropped him. And then the other guy who would actually probably be my first cut would be Chase Edmonds. Uh, Even though he does have some very small standalone value, I mean, we're seeing... He's getting work. He's getting work, but it's more going back to the offense thing. I mean, people are massively disappointed in David Johnson's usage and even how he's playing a little bit. They're running him between the tackles, not using him as a receiver. It's hard (laughs) to think how you would get excited about even starting Chase Edmonds if David Johnson went down. Uh, That would be my argument for him being kind of a lower upside handcuff when we drafted him. We thought he was a high upside handcuff. Well, I think... Yeah, I, I definitely agree that the some of the upside is is gone from Chase Edmonds, just given how poor the Arizona offense has been. But I do think if David Johnson were to go down, and given the usage we've already seen from Edmonds, um, he would totally be in the flex mix for us, even with just because he'd be getting so much work that it's not like people are benching David Johnson, even though he's not really performed thus far. So I, th- I, I you know, but I I don't necessarily disagree that he's the cut. It's just. Uh, it's just tough. I mean, Ito Smith was someone um, that you very uh, astutely targeted for us last week with, um, you know, the news about Devonta Freeman's knee. It, you were so uh, on top of that news that I feel like you might have had an inside source on Freeman's knee. You uh, you heard some rumblings about um, about that, thinking maybe it was a long-term thing and got us on to Ito Smith. I, you know, I'm not like, that into Ito Smith as a prospect, but he was involved. He had nine rushes. He, I think he had six something yards. So he looks like someone we need to hang on to. Um, I mean, hell he's like a handcuff now at this point for the next three, four weeks. So it's just tough. Yeah, no, it's, you know, Ito Smith immediately, he, it kind of, right. Like Tevin Coleman, what you would maybe say he was in like a 60, 40 split with Freeman. And now he's probably on like a 70, 30, production split with Ito and then you would maybe say Chase Edmonds right now is in like an 80-20 split uh, with David Johnson so you know Ito as even just that 30% guy and a a handcuff if something were to happen to Tevin Coleman you know Ito Smith would be a probably a top 10 top 12 fantasy back at that point so I think he he makes sense and yeah I was glad to scoop him up for a dollar I just thought all that stuff with the Freeman news and the lingering concerns with the MCL and PCL it just seems so fishy to me they were so quiet uh when he was getting those did not practice last week so yeah I was happy to sneak that one in it it would be funner if it was more of like a two-for-one situation as opposed to just backing up uh, Tevin Coleman, but I, I still think it was a, a savvy pickup. Let me pitch you on um, 
Paul Richardson is a potential drop, particularly if, we're, if we find a, a wide receiver out there that we're interested in, because he's got uh, just a target share of 16% thus far. Um, he's seeing 30% of the air yards. Chris Thompson looks like the number one wide receiver there right now. And Smith looks more like the Alex Smith that we remember before last year than Alex Smith last year. It's I'm starting to feel like, you know, it's just not in the cards for Richardson uh, this year. And he's not given the, the quarterback and then he's not also getting a ton of looks. It, you know, if we just look at what under what circumstances do we start Paul Richardson? It seems like a little bit tough to see for me. Well, that's how I feel like about a, a Disley. I'm actually encouraged by Paul Richardson. He was a game time call going into this game last week. I didn't even think he was going to play. And then he saw six targets again, 63 yards, and had a, a long catch for 34 yards. So they are using him as a as a deep threat when possible. I agree there's concerns about that offense and Alex Smith, uh, but he's still more. I want to see a, a little bit more about how that offense shakes out, how he looks when he's fully healthy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not saying I'm opposed to eventually letting him go, but he's shown me enough that I, I'm definitely intrigued. Back-to-back games with six targets uh, is enough to stay on my radar. All right, so let's talk waivers. Does anyone jump out to you um, that's available? Uh, like we just said, we're, we're kind of struggling to figure out who we'd cut, so it it kind of raises the the bar on the type of player that we'd want to pick up. Yeah, and also I should mention normally this this episode will release on Saturday, so we will have had our first waiver run. We're recording this early because Pat is going to Europe for some reason. What's that all about? Yeah, going to Barcelona just for doing like a quick little trip. So I'll actually be back uh, next week, midweek. So um, although I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing Barcelona, the the football club, uh, on Sunday. So. I'll wow. be getting a, a little mixing up my football exposure I, here. I can't wait for you to be at the legendary Camp Now Stadium watching one of the premier clubs in America and checking <laughs> your fantasy scores on your phone. That's going to be so despicable. I, well, they're, they're, well, I forget how many hours ahead they are, but I don't think it'll actually work out that um, I'll have to do that because it's a day game. So, well, whatever. Yeah. You will be having tapas and a nice – Paella, that's right yeah and exactly you'll be distracted um no okay so to get back to waivers yeah so we are recording this before we're going to place our bids for um later tomorrow which is wednesday and yeah so a few of the guys that jumped out at me i agree i don't see anyone we're going to put big money on because there's such kind of a i guess an opportunity cost to then having to drop someone we like but tyler boyd jumped out at me and i know yeah. you have uh tell tell everyone that juicy uh stat you stumbled across today about tyler boyd yeah so again looking i was just digging around on airyards.com today a bit and uh looking at the top duo in the nfl among you know all pass catchers who's seeing the highest uh market share of air yards among two pass catchers right so Obviously, guys come to mind like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, or or Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. What was your guess? Um, oh, I guess Djax and Mike Evans. Right, Thielen and Diggs were were a big one. Yeah. Um, and they're actually the leaders. Right, they're the no- they're the number one Thielen and Diggs. But number two is AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. 
uh, which is, you know, not what you'd expect. Um, Boyd has a 35% market share of air yards right now, which is like really high. It's more than Mike Evans. It's right in line with that's exactly what Michael Thomas has, uh, more than Devontae Adams. I mean, it's a really high percentage of the team's air yards uh, for a guy that we really didn't, we weren't sure what kind of role he was going to have. And I think my assumption would have been that, you know, Ross would probably be the number two guy there, not Boyd. Boyd is definitely the number two guy there, and it's not close. So um, he's someone like I would rather uh, go with Tyler Boyd than than Paul Richardson personally, just because he's getting like twice the target share, uh, or sorry, twice the mark share of air yards almost, and um, you know higher, high, just more opportunity. And and you know you look at these guys as prospects. Boyd, I think, was the better prospect. So. Uh, you know, you have a guy potentially breaking out and he's getting more opportunity, better prospect. Seems I'll, easy enough just to swap him in for a couple bucks if we can do it. Yeah, I, I agree with that last point. I will say Paul Richardson was extremely productive at University of Colorado. He was a, he was a good prospect too that I believe dropped because of a, an injury. But yeah, I mean, Boyd was, uh, I mean, everyone at Rotoviz has been on Boyd, uh, Siegel as well for his huge market share numbers in college. And I was reading out Levitan uh, featured him in his week two usage notes on the DraftKings playbook and talked about him running a pass route on 74 of 74 dropbacks for Andy Dalton. So not only is he getting the snaps, but he's in the extremely fantasy friendly role of, of running all those pass routes in two wide receiver sets. And then he's shifting into the slot on three wide receiver sets when John Ross comes into the game. So yeah, I agree with your, your takeaway. If we can swap swap them out um, for a few bucks. I do slightly prefer Tyler Boyd. I but we I just can't see us putting a, a significant bid because then we're paying a lot for say a, a minimal upgrade. I totally agree. Yeah, let's let's just see if we can basically swap them out for more or less free and if we can I think that's a no-brainer just to get the the bigger opportunity for what's probably the better player. Although I you know, they're both good prospects. One other guy, um, and we can get to defense and kicker, which obviously isn't as interesting, but one guy that is lighting the league up and is on waivers is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And obviously we're not going to drop uh, Garoppolo. And there's concerns about how long is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to hold the job. But just considering how on fire he is, the fact that he's at home versus Pittsburgh, who's been giving up a ton of points, what level of interest would you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick? Basically none because we're going to start Garoppolo like I I mean because of the opportunity cost that we had already discussed I'm totally comfortable starting Garoppolo he's playing at Kansas City which could also just be a huge shootout Garoppolo looks really good Um, you know I, I just don't think that I would even feel that comfortable playing Fitzpatrick over Garoppolo I think he might be ranked higher by some but it's still like kind of a bit, it just feels like a little balls to the wall. Um, yeah. If there was yeah. more, you know, 
kind of certainty about his job the rest of the season, but it, that's a stupid hypothetical because he would be owned if there weren't concerns about that. And just to go to the ranking thing, I, Paulson's early week three rankings just came out and he has Fitzpatrick eighth uh, for QBs and Garoppolo 12th. So I think we're in that same situation, right? Where obviously we, we want Garoppolo to be our guy um, and it wouldn't be worth dropping him or spending any amount of money on a guy that might lose the job in two weeks. Exactly. Yeah. And I, it just for just for one week, we're like maybe we're getting a marginal upgrade. Um, looking at fantasy pros, they've got Fitzpatrick ninth and Garoppolo 10th in the expert consensus ranking with that with everyone. So, yeah, maybe Fitzpatrick would be a slightly better play. But I don't think I, I literally not don't even want to put a bid in on it. I'd rather keep Richardson than uh, than drop Richardson for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, the only other consideration, and this is getting pretty deep in the weeds with game theory here, but looking at our week three opponent and seeing if there was any merit to a block. And he has Jared Goff and Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> uh, Jared Goff and Tyrod Taylor are 17th, 18th. I would much rather face off against Goff um, than Fitzpatrick. But again... I I'm happy to let him spend a lot of money if he wants to try to get Fitzpatrick against us. I think that someone will put a decent bid on on Fitzpatrick, just given that uh, there's now buzz that he might you know be their starter, and he's had two really big games. Um, so and obviously a good matchup this week, and you know it's not going to be lost on anyone that he's ranked highly. So I'm hope hopefully someone else will will do the block for us. But, but like football is so weird. Could you imagine, like, if I had told you when we were drafting that we were going to be considering putting in a blocking bid so that we don't have to play against Ryan Fitzpatrick in week three? Well, <laughs> this is this is a strange league, isn't it? Well, let's just even throw out the league. If you would have just told me I'd be considering putting in a blocking bid in a game about a game, I think I would need to question my life decision. So, yeah, this is, <laughs> it's a messed up situation all around, Pat. Um. So a couple other guy or one other guy that I had uh, written down again before defense and kicker, which I think we need to do a little housekeeping on, is uh, is Corey Grant uh, is available, and again his kind of intrigue depends on the Leonard Fournette situation, but he he was used kind of in a similar amount as say Ito Smith filling in. Uh, with Freeman out, that's kind of what Corey Grant did with Fournette out, and he has looked explosive in the preseason. Kind of an interesting name uh, of a guy you could maybe try to stash for cheap, but I think we run into the opportunity cost stuff again. Yeah, and I think we've seen, like, he's interesting, but I don't think he's going to have a huge role with, with Fournette out. So uh, it's just like, and then when Fournette comes back, because Fournette's you know, not dealing with anything long term right now, um, then I'm not sure what his role is. So he just seems like someone that, yeah, maybe you throw him on your roster if you feel like you've got the roster spot. But Grant's not someone that I think has a ton of upside. And it's also hard to see starting him too. One guy I want to bring up who's not available on waivers, but I think could be available on waivers pretty soon. Maybe, maybe not this week, but maybe in the week or a week after. Ronald Jones. I feel like he's going to be, you know, Roto World had a, a blurb today basically saying, go ahead and drop him if you want. Um, I think I was on Roto World. I've, I've been seeing stuff where it's like, okay, if you want to drop Ronald Jones, you you kind of have the general blessing to do that in shallower leagues. And that, that won't filter to FFPC just yet, but in a, 
I don't think so. But in a week or two, um, especially as bye weeks start to come up and, and people have to prep for that, Jones might be one of these guys who gets cut. And are you still on board with jumping on him if he ever becomes available? Oh, yeah. I uh, I definitely – I mean, he falls right in line with the the guys we were targeting and, and Chubb and Penny, basically the – the, the rookies who the shine has come off of them for whatever reason and were falling in drafts, and we were both on board with targeting him in the draft. And, uh, yeah, if someone were to let him go, I think he's as high of an upside running back stash as you're going to be able to find on the waivers in this format. So, yeah, definitely would be on board with that um, should someone let him go. But I believe he went in the 10th or 11th round of our draft which is you know still a fairly premium pick i am guessing someone's going to be hard pressed to let him go but who knows maybe another week or two of of healthy scratches or or no positive news and and someone gets frustrated that's what i think it'll take yeah another couple weeks of healthy scratches which the way the team's performing barber's not performing well and neither is Jaquiz Rogers but the team is performing so well that you know i could see them just continuing with the status quo yeah, you get I saw, a couple more weeks of that, and then the bye week's coming up. You know? Yeah, I saw uh, Sigmund Bloom had a tweet the other day kind of saying, like, at some point, they just they got to get <laughs> Ronald Jones in there to see if he can spark the offense. Not spark the, the passing offense, but spark right. the uh, the running game there because it's clearly – it's kind of astounding how poor Peyton Barber has been as a fantasy play considering how good that offense has I know. been. It's like, how has he not punched in a goal line – TD yet but I guess when you're like throwing 80 yard bombs every other play you don't need a goal line running back (laughs) right um all right so yeah I think so other than making that cheeky little bid on Tyler Boyd I'm I'm really not seeing oh one name actually I'll toss him out uh I don't think we're gonna go for him but it is worth discussing we cut uh Dante Moncrief after week one when we saw kind of what a a mess that uh, that whole Jacksonville wide receiver situation was. Then they have a really nice game, all of them, against the Patriots. And Keelan Cole obviously looking good, the guy we hope kind of ascends there. But when we look at kind of the market share of air yards and the whopper, Moncrief still leading the team there. What are your thoughts on going back to the Moncrief well and also how he might affect Cole going forward? Yeah, I think um, Moncrief for me versus Cole, I, I definitely prefer Cole a lot more. Um, like you mentioned that they're pretty even, and, and Moncrief's actually leading um, just the stats there. Moncrief's got 19% of the target share. He's got 39% of the air yards compared to 15% of the target share for Cole and 23% of the air yards for Cole. So, yeah, Moncrief's been really involved um but i think the play with cole like what we're betting on with cole is a is on a breakout so whereas i don't really feel like i just kind of have have, am done holding out hope for moncrief to have a true kind of career breakout i think he's he's okay uh he's good in the red zone um but cole this past week had that beautiful catch that one-handed grab on the sideline Yeah. And then that really nice touchdown catch, you know, you kind of drop, uh, Bortles kind of dropped it in the bread basket there for Cole. So you, it's like that type of stuff that makes me feel like, uh, Cole could emerge as, you know, in a two, in a true breakout scenario. I think that's what we're playing for with him. Um, rather than, we're not trying to like 
scoop up Jacksonville wide receivers necessarily because you know not, this week was was a big week for the passing offense, but generally that's not a passing offense we're really uh, dying to uh, have pieces of. So yeah, and I mean you mentioned it, and I think a, a lot of people were on Cole uh, going into the season. I think the you know the the wet blanket was kind of how spread across that usage was between Westbrook, Moncrief, and Cole. But then you see the way Cole flashes and to go all uh, hashtag film grinder. But yeah, those are those are special plays. And again, it's not like you want to read into that too much, but it is a, an indicator to what he can do. And if he does ascend and become kind of the lead target hog there, he could be in for a massive year. And yeah, he just, you get those kind kind of digs Antonio Brown vibes from him, this slot receiver guy with incredible hands that can also mix in the splash, splash plays. He's uh he's very exciting. And I have, you know, him right there along with Josh Gordon of those two kind of guys, uh, wide receivers, just hoping one of them can break out in a big way that, you know, I, I kind of poo pooed Moncrief there, but I actually would be fine doing kind of a free swap with Moncrief and Richardson as well. Just you know, thinking about it a little more because it's sort of the same argument for Boyd in, ser- in terms of the opportunity. Moncrief with that 39% share uh, of the air yards, even that's even higher than Boyd's, and it kind of just it would make sense a little bit as a protection on Cole compared to Richardson, who we're just sort of betting on on his own. Um, I like Richardson a bit more than Moncrief as a player, but not that much more. And we have more opportunity with Moncrief. So if we can switch switch Richardson out for free uh, for Moncrief, I'd be cool with doing that. Yeah, that uh, I'm not as on board with that one as I am with the Boyd uh, one, just because I think Boyd's role, um, and I feel like Boyd and Richardson have similar roles and less in their way. Whereas I, I guess the the tiebreaker is you know owning Cole and Moncrief, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer we we let him go, but um, yeah, we'll have to think about that a little more. Um, I don't know if I'd want to do a one for one swap of Moncrief for Richardson, but let's uh, let's move on here. We do need to address our defensive situation. We've ridden the Saints the past two weeks. The first week obviously sucked uh, versus the yeah. Bucks, but couldn't really forecast that at the time we left them in the lineup uh this week because they were at home versus the browns they were kind of a consensus top five play they didn't quite shit the bed like they did last week but still not giving us any firepower so we do need to address defense this week because they're on the road at atlanta and i don't think we want any part of the saints defense on the road against a a, a solid pass offense yeah and i think it's just a dollar swap to me it doesn't really matter there's like I guess Cleveland is is the highest ranked uh, defense. Just looking at the the fantasy pros rankings, um, it's like Cleveland, Miami, Dallas, Cincy, Seattle. So no one exciting. I would say we just throw a buck on a couple different teams and get rid of New Orleans. Yeah, and I I agree that it doesn't matter this week. And I'm not saying that this is what you're saying, but I also hinted at this last week that. But in general, I do think uh, defense in this format. Uh, matters, and I think we should pay it a little bit more attention as we go on. And I mentioned playing the look-ahead D, and especially as the season gets rolling and the bye weeks hit, and 
we have less of these guys that we are just willing to stash in hopes that they break out. You know, eventually it's going to become clear that, okay, this isn't Jordan Wilkins year. Uh, and so at that point, I right. do really want to start getting more strategic. I'm, I'm more like totally don't care on kickers. There's always like three or four um, that are completely viable and it's more or less a crapshoot. But I think um, as the strength of schedule stuff starts to firm up, as we know what these defenses are, the offenses we can target, I do want to make sure that we're maximizing the most possible points we can get into our into our starting lineup. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, the look ahead defense move obviously requires a second roster spot. So uh, something I don't want to start doing right now, but I, it is something I do want to start doing as we move on, like you mentioned. So, um, and yeah, I just think for this week, the looking at the options that we have, no one really jumps out at me as is someone that that we need to prioritize. Is is what I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, I think the the best two available when I'm looking at rankings are either the Browns at home versus the Jets, who you just mentioned, and then the Dolphins are at home versus the Raiders, and that uh that offense has looked uh, pretty horrendous. So I, I think Miami could be a, a solid play at home. They could. They're at New England the following week, so we would definitely be dropping them. Um, yeah. And then Cleveland is actually at Oakland the following week. So we could potentially get two weeks out of Cleveland, uh, home for the Jets, and then at Oakland. So maybe it would be worth prioritizing Cleveland slightly uh, just for that so we get two weeks out of them. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like playing uh, Cleveland D at home way more than I do uh, on the road. But, yeah, they could still end up being the the best option there for us. So, yeah, we'll try to uh, – squeeze by at um at defense again but yeah once these buys hit i mean the buys start week four we got carolina on by and washington on by um start to really have a feel for what our team's capable of at that point and then really starting to target um some defenses that we can maybe just trust cheaply because yeah my main thought is i'm sure we can get any defense we want with the right amount of money but it's like can we do it cheaply uh by looking uh, ahead in the same way of getting ito smith for a dollar uh before if he was going in this waiver run he probably goes for a hundred so exactly uh, trying to save ourselves some money in case that big uh running back or you know some whoever emerges on the waiver wire we have some ammunition exactly yeah um one last point uh you know we, we're talking about the bye weeks coming up should we talk a little bit about penny and chubb who um you know I, I mentioned like if jones becomes available i'd like to pick him up but what is the game plan for those guys penny and chubb and jones if we we get them in the next couple of weeks here of like how long do we hold them right um is there sort of a, a certain week that we want to say like let's uh let's kind of hold ourselves to you know by week x uh well, I I think Chubb is probably the more interesting, and I guess Jones, if he was on our roster, would be the more interesting conversation because Chubb is getting so little work, whereas Penny uh, was involved pretty heavily uh, last night. He Not that he was super productive, but I mean, they were just having a, a bad game all around, and that offensive line was that taking a deep. beating. Yeah. That's, so yeah, good. Um, yeah. So I guess the quick answer would be I'd be I uh, I'm giving Penny a lot longer leash because it feels like that black backfield could flip 
any week. Whereas with Chubb, we were talking earlier today, it feels like we need something outside of his control uh, to happen. And those two things uh, would be a Hugh Jackson firing uh, or a Carlos Hyde injury. So, or but, both. Or both, yeah. yeah. But then the, the question also becomes, you know, as the season goes on, there's less and less, um, you know, available guys to even pick up on the waiver wire. I guess it, it maybe he becomes, is he the type of guy where we'd rather play a week ahead defense? But I still would rather r- roster guys like Chubb and Penny than Jordan Wilkins or even, or even um, Chase Edmonds. Because at, at that point, I feel like, you know, Chubb and Edmonds are... I guess Chubb has Duke Johnson to deal with, but they still feel like pure handcuffs and Chubb ha- having more upside. Yeah, I think Edmonds, as of today, actually has has more upside just because uh, he's getting work in the passing game and it, t- it takes one injury. And uh, a coaching a coach getting fired would, that might actually help Edmonds too. But, um, you know, it probably just takes the David Johnson injury and then he's immediately flexible with, with, uh, with Chubb. He hasn't been targeted yet, which is a bit of a concern. I think generally not too much of a concern, though, just because I, I don't really feel like uh, they know how to deploy their running backs. And hopefully Chubb will, will overtake Hyde. I, I do think that Chubb could just straight up overtake Hyde with that coaching firing. So we don't necessarily need the injury. Yeah. And I mean, I I also want to say, like, when when we drafted Chubb, I, I wasn't under the illusion that he was going to have, like, even a small role right away. To me, he was always right. uh, an attrition play, uh, like looking at if we're going zero RB, who are the running backs that could be putting up top 10 numbers weeks, you know, 10 through 16. And so I definitely have um, a decent leash on these guys because nothing for me has changed. Um, maybe I thought he would get a teeny bit more work, but again, not enough to make me want to move off of him quicker. Yeah. No, I think... Right now with Chubb, everything's actually, it might not look like it, but I think everything's kind of going according to plan. Hyde looks bad. Mm -hmm. Cleveland looks like they should be able to be competitive at least. Um, You know, it could be helpful if if Hugh goes just so that uh, we can get someone who's a little bit more open to the idea of playing their best players. Um, But, you know, I agree. I don't think I really felt like Chubb was going to have an immediate role. I was hoping that, Hyde wouldn't be very good. Chubb would look interesting behind him. Um, and that has come to pass. The one thing that concerns me a little bit is that Chubb hasn't gotten targeted yet through two games. And they're also not throwing a lot to Duke Johnson or to Hyde. So it doesn't seem like they're really trying to involve their running backs. Basically, the only targets those guys are getting are little dump offs uh, behind the line of scrimmage. They're really not involving their running games and running backs in the passing game at all. Which is a bit concerning, but again, with a Hugh Jackson firing, maybe that maybe that changes. They get a little more creative. So who yeah. knows? And again, you know, the thing obviously it's comping it to the best possible scenario. But I know you're being like, oh, you know, Chubb feels a little bit like kind of Kamara did last year, where talented rookie um, and is appears blocked. And all of a sudden gets on the field, flashes, and he's carved out a huge role. And again, it's not perfectly comparable, and that's a very optimistic outlook. But 
Kamara didn't emerge until I believe it was week three or four uh, last year in Cleveland. As we have seen, it's such a volatile situation, both organizationally and with how they're performing on the field. I mean, key players coming and going, you know, seemingly by the week. They they have a few constants, you know, with Jarvis Landry there. Uh, but yeah, there's so many possible shakeups that could occur between even, we didn't even mention it, but I doubt it would happen without Hugh getting canned, but even just a changing of the guard to Mayfield um, is another variable there. So yeah, it's such a volatile situation. How bad is it that that it would take a a firing to get the the number one pick in the draft on the field? Yeah. What is going on with you? I don't get it. It's it's so bad. And the only, it's just, you got to hope that at some point it's just so demoralizing that they have to blow it up because Hugh is just, he's a cockroach, man. He just, he withstands everything. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Tyrod's playing that well, you know? It's like, no. come on. Yeah, and I think I, I liked how Sean put it. I think it was in his week one recap on Rotoviz, and he was like, you know, Tyrod Taylor flashed uh, the the skills that, you know, helped him lead Buffalo to the playoffs, and then he also flashed the same skills that led him to getting benched by Nathan Peterman. And right. there's certain things that he does competently, but he does not unlock this offense and unlock the weapons that they have, which, as everyone knows, there's a bunch. So, yeah, a long tangent to say that, um, you know, we, we signed up for the Browns uh, clown show ride and we're going to stay on it and hope to benefit from it at some point. And maybe we will benefit with it as soon as this week when Josh Gordon takes the field with the New England Patriots. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Chubb gets traded there, too. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, guys. So that is going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the High Stakes Diaries. Thank you guys for checking out the show. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to this feed individually by searching High Stakes Diaries, or you can continue to listen to it underneath the Rotoviz radio umbrella. Pat, what else do you got for us? You should follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Pat Corain. Yeah, and I'm at Peter Art. And man, Pat Corain dropping a tweet today, a rare tweet, which you also disclosed on the show. You're, you're by low on, on Rojo, but man, I, uh, the bat signal went up. Uh, Pat is tweeting. What, what is I'm not that? that active on Twitter, but you will sometimes get an occasional tweet. And yeah, this was uh, actually Dynasty related. I got uh, from, a, from a player who I don't think is a very good trader in one of my dynasty leagues but it's a fairly like serious it's it's medium stakes dynasty so it's not like a joke league or anything i was able to get ronald jones for lamar jackson in a second round pick my second round pick and i currently have the most points so should be late Uh, i should Um, never have got you going on that but Uh, dude i mean you gotta you gotta look at uh look at ronald jones and dynasty right now people are if you took jones in most dynasty leagues, they draft right after the draft. You're all psyched. You probably got him in like the mid first round, maybe in the early to mid first round. And he's been healthy scratch for the the first two games. Had a terrible preseason. He did have that that nice catch uh, in what the second or third game. But anyway, get, get your own trade podcast. for Jones. Get your own trade podcast. for Jones. He, he's available right now. Get your Today's own podcast. The day. Get him. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.